All right, hello, hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of the Stories of Selling Human podcast. I'm your host, Alex Smith, and I believe everyone in the world will someday be faced with a situation, could be business, could even be personal, that requires you to create change. I think we all want to be heard, seen, and understood, but the people who get our attention, persuade, convince, and influence us are not just salespeople. I think there are great humans throughout all walks of life that we're drawn to, I'm going to share their stories here so we can tap into what makes us human, practice our human skills, and ultimately, we'll all become better at selling by being human. All right. This is just a treat. I I have to say I've been really, you know, waiting to to, to interview this guest for a few months now. This is somebody that our company, Docebo, hired to really just, you know, connect us, entertain us, amaze us. And he, he, he certainly had me just like asking myself, is, is the world real? What's going on right now? This person, years and years ago, he worked as a Wall Street banker and Merrill Lynch, you know, realized his true passion was really uh, being in in magic and as a mentalist. And he entertained so many, you know, groups within, you know, his company and Merrill Lynch that he said, you know what, I'm going to do this uh, full time. So he jumped in into it, doing it full time. I'm sure at the chagrin of his parents, I'm going to, you know, leave this cushy Wall Street job to be a mentalist. That's not something your parents hear every day, but you know, it, it turned out to work. You know, you probably have seen this person on uh, America's Got Talent, you know, where he's wowed the judges and, and blown, uh, you know, all the judges' minds. He, his clients range from A-list celebrities to politicians to you name it. He's been on uh, NBC's Late Night with Jimmy Fallon and the Today Show and, you know, and wowing people like John Cena and and Al Roker and and all sorts of great uh, people in between. He also on the side, I mean, you know, no big deal. He's just won the New Jersey Marathon four times and the Chicago Ultra Marathon, and he has a a, a, a long list of uh, really accomplished endurance races. And and that's something I I'm starting to do now too. So I am so glad to be able to say this. Please welcome none other than Oz Perlman to the podcast. Welcome, wow, Oz. What a build. What a build. I think it's all downhill from here, Alex. I, I think uh, you, you've, you've set the expectations too high. Other guests have said that before, and I think they may have been wrong, but um, we'll see. We'll see. Who knows? I mean, you know, certainly our tech issues today didn't set the bar very high, but I think we, we, we're going we're gonna to turn it around. I got a new mic. I got the new fancy podcast mic and we couldn't get it to work, gang. So we're going old school through the MacBook Pro. So I hope you can hear me okay. Yes, I'm so lucky. You know, uh, first first one that, you know, Oz is interviewing in this great new room. I'm going to ask, I ask everybody a signature question, Oz. Um, but before I ask it, I just want to to know where you go with this question. Because I think part of, you know, we're, we're going to learn a lot about like soft skills today. I like to call them human skills, like reading people, influencing people. And um, you know, reframing dynamics in a new way of of selling, kind of what you do in your day job and kind of your road, all that stuff. But before I do, I just want to give you a, a real softball question. So, you know, O's, what what do you love about what you get to do as a as a mentalist every day when you think of that? Uh, what do I love? I mean, I love getting to meet new people. I like to bring joy, which I know sounds cheesy, but a lot of people I think in their jobs have stress, have, you know, the conflict, have people they have to deal with, and it not, isn't necessarily pleasant. I'm really lucky and blessed that most of my interactions are beyond pleasant. I get to go on stage in front of hundreds or thousands of people and hopefully cheer them up, give them a really memorable experience that they're going to be talking about for a long time is the hope. And so I think that's really the, the best part of my whole job. It's just interacting with new people all the time and getting to be creative 
uh, it's also a profession where I, I'm my own boss, which I can't, I don't think you can put a price tag on that. I've learned that over time that getting to dictate what I do, when I do it, how I do it. You can be a tough boss on yourself. You could be a, you know, a softball boss, but I get to make those choices. And that is an incredibly lucky blessing that I have. I know most people do not have that. The words that I heard from that are, that I could take away is, is truly like you, you create memorable experiences. Like you you're thinking about that. I can see like what you're doing. You're not just like looking to, you know, have something that like somebody can just, I mean, you know, you probably like have so many different performances where people can't even, they're like, I know he did that thing on AGT or that one thing. They can't, ex they can't even remember the exact trick or the exact thing that you did with them, but they won't like forget that feeling. Like I said, I was like, I, I, I was, I thought that the world wasn't real. Like what, how could this possibly be? And, you know, some people be like, oh, you know, like whatever he's a, you know, like there's an answer for everything that he does. But I, I think you're not really thinking about like, you know, like trying to do something that, I mean, I don't know, like. Well, your most, your most vivid memories are directly yeah. linked to your emotions. So that that's a yeah. fact of human nature. Yeah. So if there's yeah. no emotional attachment, the memory fades. And that's when you're a kid, it could be, it's always like the best things and the worst things. And also your memory keeps getting filled in by if you retell a story, it solidifies it. Kind of like a lot of people, they'll have a childhood video they've seen and they remember that moment and they don't. They just remember remembering it because they've seen the video so many times they can feel the, the texture and the context and how they felt. And usually there's something like that. So if you can create a really strong emotional attachment with something that you do or call it whatever you do, whether you're an entertainer, an educator, anyone, then it will be remembered much more vividly and people recount the experience more. So for me, apathy is death. If you watch my show and you don't talk about it, it's like one of those you know, comic book movies that the minute you left, you forgot what happened, then it washes away. You know, It's kind of like the, the ocean just washing away the waves, the sandcastle you made, and a day or two later, it's gone. That I've spent decades literally focusing on how do I get someone to keep recounting the story that I told to other people? Like in my profession, I always get every single show, somebody walks up to me and they go, oh my God, I saw this guy. And I right away, listen exactly to what they say and I go, what do you remember from it? And I study that because that's the key. It's not, what did they actually do? Those are very different things. Very important to understand what somebody remembers wow. and what somebody actually did, just like a criminal defense attorney can tell you, are sometimes diametrically opposed or completely false. What do you remember? And so I strive to be that person that in five years, 10 years, they meet another performer like me. I'm the one they talk about. They go, this guy owes. And that's where the story starts. So sorry, a long-winded answer, but that's not something that I strive for. That's my whole profession. I literally focus most of my energy on what will people say afterwards, remember and glean from the things I do on TV and in person. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's really intentional because, you you know, so we don't ask ourselves that question. So like if you're asking yourself that question constantly, you have to come up with an answer. And like, I'm sorry, you, there's an amazing, you know, performances or tricks that haven't even seen the light of day because you just haven't found that one thing that someone's going to talk about far after it's gone. Like a normal person would look at it and be like, oh, that's an amazing trick. Do it. I, I even heard your your wife even said she's your hardest critic. Like, She's like, you know, I'm going to do a, do this thing. She's like, I think it's boring. But most lay people would be like, your wife needs to go somewhere because that is an amazing. But she knows kind of like 
she knows you. She knows like what you're trying to to do in that way. So I think that's the case with like, you know, all spouses or people like close to your family members, they've gotten accustomed to you. They've also seen the come up. They've had to suffer through the years of a you being <laughs> and you know, and just being like, oh, you know, when I was like 13, my grandma had to pick a card, any card, about 8,000 times. She was a great sport. But I'm like, quick, pick another card. She's like, I don't want to pick a card. <laughs> I'm like, you got to do it. <laughs> Uh, I was going to ask you about, we'll get that into like what you've learned from bombing, you know, later, but let's like, let me, cause let's talk about you growing up. You, I've, I've seen you say that when you were a kid, you just observed things and you knew you could kind of predict how people could act as a result of your observations. Like this was something like, maybe it was like innate, maybe something you just honed and learned, like just naturally you were somebody always. And as a kid, I, I observed things and I could kind of, you know, start thinking about certain things, but I haven't taken to the level that you did. So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of curious, like, what did that look like when you were a kid, when you like, if you could think back to your vivid memories growing up, like what were uh, some situations where you, you observed something, you, you were just a kid, you didn't know, but then that thing actually played out the way you thought it might based on an observation. Well, I think there's kind of archetypes of where you are in the birth order, stuff I never thought about until I became a parent. And I have three kids now and I can see how you know, the oldest has a different disposition than the middle than the, the youngest. Because I have three kids and like I was one of three kids and I was the youngest, whereby if you're the oldest, you are the king of the castle or queen of the castle until the next kid comes in. And suddenly what happened? I had all my parents' attention and energy and everything. And now there's somebody else. So I was the youngest and I, my sisters, I have twin sisters that are about eight years older. And so I was kind of the baby. So I think in that type of environment, you need to find a way to get people's attention because they're all adults. You're in essence living by the time I was old enough to be with teenagers, adults, and you needed to kind of mature in a certain way. And I think very early on, when what, what you call being observant was a way to just get attention, which I think is an innate human desire for all of us. Even if you're an introvert or a loner or shy, that just means you haven't found your route yet to find attention or you find attention elsewhere. I love daydreaming. I used to write short stories when I was a kid. Uh, I truly think that something missing nowadays, and I'm not the first person to say it, is our instant going to screens and electronics instead of getting to just wander mindlessly and just tune out. A lot of when I run, I try to not listen to podcasts now. I try to just let my mind zone out so that I can come up with great ideas. Some of my best segments for TV happen when I'm running, they happen in the shower, they happen when I'm not looking at a screen and allowing myself to just do nothing. <laughs> I, I just heard a, a podcast interview, Joe Rogan with Stephen Wright, who's one of my, one of a great comedian. He talked about yeah. doing nothing is underrated. I think doing nothing really is something incredible that I'm learning more and more. You need to quiet your brain. I don't necessarily mean meditation or mindfulness. Those help too, but just zone out and allow your brain to get creative. Um, uh, this might've been a wandering answer to your question, but I think a lot of the stuff that I observed as a kid, uh, my mind was very mathematical. And so from a young age, it wasn't really OCD. I would count everything, everything. I would count stairs. If I walked into your house and I ran up your stairs to the second floor in eight, I would memorize how many stairs were in your house. Every single person's house and my friends. I just, I would, when I'd go to what's it called? A little Caesars. We get pizza from, I would know the taxes because I, I lived in Wisconsin and Michigan. I knew the percent tax was 8.25%. So as soon as they rung it up and I go, this times this times 0.0825. And I would tell them how much it would be and how much the change would be before the cash register would do it. Some rain man level stuff. And <laughs> I credit a lot of that mathematical <laughs> ingenuity. And I went to school for engineering is how I'm really quick on my feet when I'm performing because 
mentalism is in some ways an algorithmic profession because you're, you're, you're going through a series of, of like, like there's a hundred ways this could go right now. If I said pick a number one to a hundred and you've seen me do this, Alex, and I guess your yeah. number, it's one in a hundred to you, but it's not. I can stack the odds much more in my favor where it becomes like shockingly 50, 50, 60, 40. And you'd be like, how can that be? It's because I've gone through these iterations so many times and I know where my words land. I know when you're thinking about it. And a lot of those things I did as a kid and kind of ways that I would maintain my parents' attention, my sister's attention, were all kind of mentalism training as a kid that I had no idea about. Wow. I, I, I you know, you're making me think of something I, I heard today, like Ryan Holiday, who wrote, you know, The Obstacle is the Way and so many other books, you know, he studies from the Stoics. And he said, like, there, there's so much we like look back on, you know, it's easy to look back on life and say, this is what I've gleaned and this is what I've learned from that. And this is all that, right? We look at it from this new perspective instead of actually kind of like, you know, learning in the moment, like in, we deprive ourselves of that. Like you probably couldn't have this perspective as a kid, but you were just, you know, like following these things, learning things you saw like, okay, I could actually, you know, get mathematical answers from this as a kid. And you didn't have to look back on it. You could actually build off of that. You know, you could just, you know, continue to just let that play out in, in different, you know, circumstances. Maybe mentalism was just another way for it to play out. Maybe. I think it's similar to college. I think that so many people that I know, they don't end up going to school and their major or their minor, whatever they studied has nothing to do with what they end up doing for a living. Because how many people at age 21 or 22 know who they're going to be when they're 32, much less 42 or 52. It seems like so far in the future. When I was in my teens and 20s, I, I've met people, it's amazing, who are now the same field as I am, mentalists or magicians, who they go, oh, I at 15 was already training. It's like, I'm, wow, man, you were so ahead of me. I was doing this just because I loved it. It was a passion. Uh, I was able to earn money at the time, which I really needed to pay tuition and, and subsidize myself. I kind of, uh, I was very independent at a young age and had to take care of myself pretty early on. So I, it was just kind of, you know, you stumble into what works. And in so many people, it seems to be serendipitous where you might fall into a career path that you didn't, you know, it's not like pre-med where you do four years, then you do four years of pre-med, then you become a doctor. Like you really have to know your lane if you're doing that. For me, I didn't know this was what was going to happen in my life. Honestly, before a few months before it ended up happening that I quit my job and went full time. And, and now in hindsight, hindsight's 2020, I wouldn't have done it any other way, but there's so many little nuanced factors. You know, it's like, if you think about your parents meeting, had that one day that they met something changed the trajectory, what would have happened? And would you even be here? You know, the whole butterfly effect. So all these little steps came together for me to be where I am today. And I think the same applies to everyone. You can just take concerted steps and kind of make your own luck. Yeah. So let's talk about like how like this profession, like this, like total you know, I would say career transformation happened. You going from Wall Street banker to, to you know, mentalist on stages and having the life that you do now. You know, a lot of people would look at okay, mentalist and not think mentalist is not a salesperson. A mentalist is, you know, they're they're fooling you. They're tricking you. They're putting on a performance. They're an entertainer for sure, but they're not, you know, selling you in the sense of like uh, that. Um, I don't know, maybe that Wall Street banker, they they can see that person as a, you know, the guy, the Wal wolf of Wall Street, Le Leonardo DiCaprio is what people think of, you know, uh, when they think, of, and you've, I, I know, talked to Dan Pink, and that's what this, you know, 
podcast is made off of. And and people, when they say, you know, what is sales? What, when you think of the word sales, what do you think? Grimy, when it all costs, you know, win, win, you know, just win, 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 dollars, money, cash. So talk to me, like, so the, my signature question that I ask everybody is when I say the term to you, O's, sell something and sell it by being human, what does that mean? And, and how would you define that for, for what you do in your profession today? Uh, so I think so I'm big on sales. I think that knowing how to sell is critical in life and it doesn't matter what you do. You could be a parent. You could be any, literally, you could be a sister, a brother, a mother, a father. You're selling something to people. Like I, trust me, I have a six-year-old, four-year-old, two-year-old. I was selling to them the fact that they need to get out of bed today to brush their teeth, get ready and head to school. And if you don't think you're selling, then you're being silly because all you're doing is selling ideas, concepts. And when you're selling a product, you're selling a trust and a rapport in yourself. People like to do business with people that they generally like, they feel comfortable with, they trust. Very rarely do you work with somebody that you can't stand as long as you have choices. So for me, when I'm selling, I learned very early on what it is that my product, what am I defining my product as? Because the way you view it is not really the way I see it. I don't really see myself as somebody who's there to fool you, um, even so much to entertain you. Yes, there's an entertainment component. And if you watch my show, I hope you're entertained and you talk about it, but really we define at the beginning, it's a memorable experience. And in many of the sectors that I work in, in a business setting, what I'm creating for you is a environment where business can take place. Uh, let's say for example, I'm, I'm in a sales meeting and you're there with people that report to you and what do you want them to do? You wanna humanize them, you wanna empower them, you wanna motivate them, you wanna leave that room fired up. And that's one of those things that happens. And with ways to approach each other that you didn't have before. Let's say it's your boss. You're on kind of walking on eggshells and you're a little bit scared of this person. What if I bring them up on stage? We do something hilarious. We have this moment where they, you see a side of them you never saw before. They're laughing, they're hooting, they're hollering. And later on you walk up and you go, oh my God, how did he do that? How did he guess the name of your first kiss? He's like, I don't know. And now you've created this bond between people, call it water cooler conversation, call it a memorable moment that people can talk about a month, a year, a couple years later. There's funny things I do in the show like that, that are designed. And I have people write to me later, executives that'll say, yo, what you did, the magic you did in that room goes so far beyond just like how you guess these things and all these things. It's what you create in terms of a new fabric, a new bond with my team that just we're going to have this and it's going to, it's going to, it's not going to dissolve within a week. People are going to remember this for a long time. They're going to be talking about it for a long time and it's going to allow me to approach them in a new way. And really that's a huge part of the value. And, and I primarily perform for corporate audiences. I do some private events and some things that you would think of as like touring acts, casinos, galas, fundraisers. At fundraisers, I'm there to spread the mission, to know what the organization does and to get, you know, hands in wallets, like giving more, realizing why you're changing lives, what you're doing for this charity. And so they're getting a real ROI, like a value add that goes beyond just, oh, look at this guy, do some cool tricks. Uh, and I think that people realize when they get a, a value and it's benefits oriented towards the consumer, it's not about how great I am. It's about what can I do for you, your organization? How can I make you look good? How can I help you with your mission statement? Yeah. I mean, you're thinking about your others focused uh, in all the words you just said, you know, you're always thinking about like, what's the, like, not the moment, you know, and entertainers are thinking about, I'm going to give them like this amazing thing in the moment, but you're thinking of the, 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 the takeaway, you know, what the takeaway, the, what reciprocates from that moment, what builds from that, what builds from the thing that, you know, what builds from the story of the moment, 
you know, did did a, did a new relationship happen? Did a deal close? Did someone introduce someone to someone they never would have introduced before? Did someone bond on something that they never and 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 because of they bond, what did that lead for the company? Right. So like absolutely, I, you know, you're you're thinking like five steps ahead on like chess moves. So you know, give people like some tactical things. Like I'm I'm you know I I can't explain it. Like I still can't. I'm somebody that tries to read people. You know like you know, and I feel like I'm pretty good at it. Maybe. You know, we could talk about the Dunning Kruger effect where you feel like you're really good at something like, you know, um, you're you're not uh, you, you, you kind of lose the skill or something like that. Uh, but I'm curious, like for people that like there's probably all sorts of people, people think they're really, really good at reading people, people that are like, I, I have no clue where that person is. Like you, you can think of we can all anybody who's listening can think of that person. who's just I can not get a read on that person. What advice, what things are you thinking about O's to you know, really kind of, you know, maybe open up the door a little bit, you know, try to break in and, and do things where people start feeling like there, there can be some, um, you know, connection made and you're reframing kind of the dynamic of the situation to, to, to build influence. Well, your other's approach is great. So when you go into stuff, just start taking the word I out of the equation and start putting the word you in, like, see, what is it that you're providing for the other person? Uh, and I think that's great in personal relationships and in, in everything. If you can I don't want to use the term provide value every time because that sounds very, again, salesy, but what can you do to help other people that you constantly are meeting and exceeding expectations? That That's what I try to strive to do in everything, which is over-deliver, constantly over-deliver. So be easy to work with, whatever that means for you. Uh, be easy to work with so that, you know, are you respectful of other people's time? In essence, trying to be on time. Today was difficult because I was like, I'm calling you. I'm like, I have tech issues. I'm trying to figure yeah, this out. Did. Yeah. I, but but uh, be very be very aware of others in that sense. It's such an easy one. Remember things. It's so simple to take notes or if your memory isn't great, write things down. We have every single tech tool in the world. I have a phone right here that's got more computing power than you know the, compu the computers they took to get to the moon in 1969. So I can take down notes. There's so many apps where I constantly keep notes on people I meet, what I know about them. And if you're not gonna remember it, it's better. But those soft skills of remembering names, places, things about them, things about their family, let's say they just got a puppy a year ago. I think that's so helpful in your life, no matter what you do, it doesn't matter. Everybody, you could be, you know, a teacher, a salesman, uh, an insurance person, like anything. You could be having a podcast that you're launching tomorrow just because you have a passion for something. Uh, so much of how you ingratiate yourself to others, like even the way you reached out to me about this podcast was, was so just like, it's dynamic. You come in, in in an easy way. And there's something to be said for persistence in life. So much of what I've been able to achieve has been persistence. It's knowing that fine line between, I don't want to call it being annoying where you go over an edge, but just being constant presence where you follow up and you realize that people have a lot going on in their lives. And that if you chime in that right moment for that right person, magic can happen, pun intended. And so many of the opportunities <laughs> I've had has just been keep showing up at the plate and, and keep always having a good disposition to you and just realize that but people have their own lives. And, and I feel like that's been helpful. And I've also found that I've helped other people who I've mentored and helped that have just kept showing up. And they'll say to me, instead of saying what they can take from me, they go, what can I do to help you? I've noticed like, oh, you've got this and this going on. Can I help you with any of those things? And I go, you know what? Thanks, man. Why not? And, and I, you know, they prove to you that it's a give and take. I try to have give and take relationships with people, people that are on the come up, 
people that I've met that are as successful as it gets, like billionaires, people that run companies that I can learn from, rather than me just constantly being a drag on them, I ask them, what can I do for you? Or what can I do? Or do you have a dinner coming up? Why don't I show up, do something amazing for you and your clients? Cost me 20 minutes of my day. They're going to remember that. Like there's a real value to having that favor in your back pocket from somebody you admire. And and Mm. you don't know when you're going to cash it in. You might never cash it in, but they're going to be willing to help you. And there's so many people be a sponge for knowledge because some of the best tidbits I get is just, I stop talking and I listen to people that have more experience than me or even younger than me that are coming up that are like the next hungry person in my field or a different field. And uh, always be a student. I know that's, that's, that's kind of tacky and it's, it's, everyone knows that. But really, when you get to the point where you think you know everything, that's a really poor place to be. There's always things you can still learn. Yeah. I love that, you know, just it, we don't think about it enough, like the the amount of power, like we, we we have so many devices to make it easy to remember things about people. And when you remember things, really vivid things, not everyone's doing that. Like it, it, that's just an interruption in itself. You're just, you know, like I heard you say, like, OK, like when when you feel sold to like you're at a mall and someone's like pushing something or you walk out in the street in New York City and someone wants to like, you know, sell you some 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 fake jewelry like, you, you know, you already like your, your, your brain's telling yourself, keep going or keep moving on. Or I've seen this already a million times before until that person's just like, Hey, that's an awesome watch you're wearing. Or like, or like, just like, Hey, like, you know, like, um, I just wanted to say like nice shoes, like not even like they're selling watches and they're talking about like your shoes and they don't ask you to come talk to them about their watch. And you, you know, they just, they just hold that and every single time you see them, they're complimenting you or they're doing something or they're, hey, like, you know, it's a great day outside. Like, what are you going to do today? Something like that. Like, just something different, right? Like, I know you're thinking about that, right? Um, You know, as we close, I was going to ask you um, uh, before we do, Oz is going to maybe do a little fun trick for me. We might, um, we might. I don't know if we'll see. I'm so tight. I'm going to try something. I don't know. I don't know. But like before that, like, I did want to like ask you, like I asked you, like, what have you learned? People will see you on stage and see these amazing things. Like they don't see that. We talked about the come up, but like, what have you learned the most from like the beginning when maybe some of your performances or, you know, we'll call them tricks weren't landing or maybe even every great performer has bombed where people were just like, this guy is a fraud or like, what is he doing? Um, you know, what are some things you've gleaned from that in retrospect and, 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 you know, um, and, and what do you, what would you suggest for other people that like, you know, are trying to do big things and, you know, maybe not having the results they want to in the beginning? Well, so, yeah, I mean, I have hyper-specific things to my trade, which, yeah. you know, if you're an entertainer or presenter or speaker, you live in the attention economy, if you will, because right now you're competing with a million things. I'm competing with Netflix, with Instagram, with, there's so many things that we can take in now. It's, it's incredible the time we live in. You could go on YouTube and I mean, I don't think you don't need an education, but you can learn virtually anything from anyone. So what keeps people at the plate? If I'm doing something on TV, what makes you want to watch me now? If you go, who is this guy? And I think about that a lot. I think about what it is that draws people in. And I think that it's a hook. It's a great story. It's something compelling. And I've seen this with anybody who sells. And it could be a product as boring as like not to knock insurance. A lot of insurance companies hire me. But most people think, oh, I'm going to buy life insurance. That sounds terrible. But if you create a compelling story with it, I love asking a question right at the start of a TV appearance or, or, or of my show that's direct and gets everyone hooked in one split second. 
for example, I just say, how many of you think that somebody can read your mind? And I go, you're not raising your hand because I don't believe it either. And everyone's shocked by that because they think, isn't that what you do? And I go, I don't read people's minds. I don't, that, I can't read people's minds. We know that's impossible. I read people. And that's a subtle difference. And people go, oh, right there, there's like a moment of what do you mean by that? And it's because all of you read people. How many of you know when your spouse is mad at you, even though they say they're not? Like you can tell. How many of you know when, you know, when your parent or your child is telling you that nothing's wrong, but you can tell by their body language that something's not right or that they're totally, lying to yeah. you. And I go, you've been training at this since you were 18 months old, since you were a year old. And you started learning that when you smile, people smile back at you. Your brain is absorbed. It's designed genetically to watch and mirror and to know what responses you get. And so people are learning how to read other people all the time. And at a certain stage in life, you start getting very, I want to say, settled in your ways and you stop learning what it is that people do. You kind of found those archetypes. And so where you stopped, I continued and I learned how do people react in different scenarios? How do people react when you're one-on-one -on -one versus in groups? And I think a lot of people that do really well from a management perspective who run companies is they start learning how to manage others and realize that everyone's got different situations and what's a great incentive. For one person, it might be money. For other people, it might be recognition. Other people, appreciation. For other people, it's time off. And you have to learn that everyone's different. And, and I know that in my profession, I can judge who gives me the best reactions. And those are the people I use in my shows. I, I, people will ask me at the end of a show for 800 people, they'll come up to me like, oh my, that was amazing. Why didn't you pick me? And I go, well, I'm sorry, I couldn't. And they're like, well, does it work on everyone? I go, no, you know, it, I, I don't do like <laughs> in a row. I'm a curator. The same way when you go to a great meme page, they found the best memes, that funny one. Well, I'm looking for the people that I can just tell. I can see that smile. I can see you've got this bubbling energy. I see some people that are introverted that I know that when we open them up and that moment hits, that they're going to be just a shining diamond. They're going to be like, you're not going to expect this. And so that's what my 25 years of doing has taught me in this craft is knowing who are the right people at the right time. And so awesome. I think in, yeah. in your life or in fear selling, learn, you might not be able to curate. You might be selling to everybody, but learn what makes people tick. And you'll know it. A lot of it is instinctual. A lot of it is people talk themselves out of things over time. That voice in your yes. head can be one of the ones that's the most negative. You might have the best instincts and you might talk yourself out of it. We all know we've done it. I procrastinate on stuff because I don't feel like doing it because it's my weakness. But you got to play to your weaknesses as well as your strengths. Oh man. I mean, I've literally had a customer talk themselves out of a sale that I felt like we were a great fit for because just more time came in and they talked to more people right. and they, those people happen to be people that just had a bad experience with us. And I can't combat that. There's nothing I can do to do that, but I could put them in front of two great people, but it's already too late, you know? Right. So you have to know that that dynamic is going to happen. Right. And like, try to preempt that, um, and just be observant of it. Um, well, you know, I know we're kind of coming down, um, O's, you know, first off, um, thank you for, for all this. Um, I always, I always ask people like a, a singer, a final question. And cause I think we all connect each other, um, on stories about us. And we're so unique about that, that things that are just only things we would do. So I always like to ask people, I was like, if I asked your wife, your kids, like, is there just something that is, you know, so totally O's that like this thing or this event that would only happen to O's, you know, yes. that would be only be something that he would do or would happen to him. What, what would they tell me? I think they would tell you that I managed to entertain myself, which sounds so silly. <laughs> I will retell <laughs> like a joke uh, almost under my breath and laugh at it. And so my wife makes the joke that nobody finds me funnier than I do myself, 
which would be great if I was on a deserted island. I think I would just be able to tell jokes. And I, I rehearse a lot of my stuff. My wife will just watch me and I'm just like, and I'm saying stuff in hand motions. And I look like somebody psychotic. If I didn't have an AirPod in, you're like, is this guy, you know, multiple personality right now? Because I will practice my mentalism, routines and thoughts and how it's gonna play. Physically, I will mime it and pantomime it. So I think something that's very much me is, uh, I, I'm for a living, I get in other people's heads. And when I'm rehearsing it, you just see me getting in my own head. And uh, I, I'm sure it's kind of like an actor or actress, but I rehearse out loud and in person and I can't control when it is. It's not like a set time, it'll just happen. And then you see me laughing at nothing. And you, I look, <laughs> and I just say it and then I'm laughing and you're like, are you nuts? Um, you know, what's funny, we mentioned predictable. I don't know if I can do a trick for you. We might have to go, but People yeah. are very predictable in certain senses. Like if yeah. I will tell someone to come up, when when we did that show for your company, you, I told you, think of a vacation you'd love to go on, right? Yeah. You went yeah. somewhere, you you thought initially, I remember this, of, of yeah. uh, Machu Picchu, is that right? Yeah, you, I can't remember, believe you remember, right? remember But yeah. that's like something that, I, it's very iconic where I see people that are adventurous and want to, and certain things, let me ask you a question. Uh, are you married? Yes. Yes. I would say about 50-50 of people's spouses will know very detailed info. Like your spouse knows your PIN number to your ATM? Yes. That's a 50-50 thing. I want you to know that's one of those things where it's not that you don't trust your spouse, but some people just never, never came up. And then very common is that people that fall into that category of, I've told my spouse my, my, my ATM card number, tend to be nostalgic. Hear me out by this. Nostalgic means that if you see your phone, on your phone might be a picture of your kids or your dog, nostalgia, or of your spouse versus just an image of something else. And they'll use dates. For example, you don't, I don't want to know the whole thing, but the most common, 75% of people, their ATM pin code starts with a zero or one. Does yours? It does. It does. See, look, look, I just want you to see it's not a trick. I have, this is, I don't, I don't even like that. You asked me, you asked me at the start, how can you guess these things? And you go, well, you know, that's one in 10,000, but you just fell into, like I told you, I'm showing you it's an algorithm. If this, then this, you know what? Think of this Think and, and now when I said zero or one and you like smiled, you smiled more and you lean to this side. When I said one, it started with a one, doesn't it? It does. It does. Now, there is no way in the world, like we have never met in person. There is no way you've posted this online. This is like the most secure thing that anybody but your spouse would know your ATM pin code. Is that a safe assessment? Yes. Well, yeah. Okay. If I try to guess more of the digits, are you okay with that? Or you want you want to keep this locked and loaded? <laughs> that's, that's fine. Okay. <laughs> that's Think fine. of the second digit. Now, the second digit, I, I'm telling you, we overly silly. There's no way you did a two because that'd be like the one, two, three, four approach, but I don't know. But keep thinking one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. And I think this rolls off the tongue. I think you do it for a reason. And then think of the third digit. Think if it's bigger or smaller, bigger, smaller. Okay. The same, bigger, smaller, last digit. Think of it. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Oh, are you going to be honest if I'm close or, or I, I just yeah. so yeah. I think that it, it, it's like mapping. It's like, just like piano. Okay. It went up, down, up. So what you did is went up, down, up. And I don't know where, I think the second number is the biggest out of the group. Am I correct? It is. It is. You know what? Boom, boom, boom. It's one, nine, eight, two, isn't it? 1982. It's, <laughs> I, I'm not going to say, but uh, you're close. Very close. Oh, I, I think I know the last digit. I won't tell anyone, but I think you should change your bank pin code at this point. Alan. <laughs> assessment. That's what's called a cold read. He knows I got the last one, but now I know it. I won't say it for your viewers. You're the best, Alex. I love it. We're selling human baby. Uh, amazing.
Oz, uh, thank you. We're off on time. How can I help you? How can the guests help you connect with you? What can we do for you? You know what? I just, you know what? Hopefully make some new followers, new fans. Um, if you want to have some fun and waste, uh, I'll call it waste, but have a good time. You can go down that rabbit hole. Uh, my thing is O-Z. Looks like Oz. It's really my name. It's not a stage name. It's O's because it's Israeli. O-Z, The Mentalist. I post on Instagram and Facebook and YouTube all the time. Uh, I do a lot of stuff throughout the country, throughout the world, on TV quite often. I got a lot of uh, fun TV stuff coming up in the next few months. You know, just uh, watch some stuff, comment, engage, tell me what you like, tell me what you don't like. I'm always trying to get better. Uh, and uh, I love to practice on people. I love to get inside people's heads. You're, you're amazing. You, you certainly do with me every time. Was- Thanks, Alex. Have a great day, my man. Take care. Hey gang, all right, wow, you made it to the end. I know your time is valuable, so thank you from the bottom of my heart for spending your time here with me. If you heard a quote you liked, got a quick bit of value, or you have an idea that can help convince others to join, I urge you to take a minute and leave a five-star rating and review. That helps us gain influence and bring some really great guests on to add even more value to you and others. You can also always contact me directly to tell me your thoughts. I'd love to hear from you. All my info is in the notes. Let's help convince anyone that they have the ability to sell well just by being great humans. And this podcast is proof. All right. See you on the next episode of Stories of Selling Human.